0: You know, I've been in uh, Uvalde for almost nine years, and I have not floated any river until last week during our youth guys' mancation. We were excited. We we're going to go hunt and gather with our bare hands, you know, and maybe strip a rattlesnake and roast it over the fire. Not, well, actually, we just took burgers and fajitas. Uh, that was that was you know what we need to really do uh definitely it was very enjoyable the river was peaceful and calm for me floating in that tube was very soothing and pleasant it definitely prompted me to contemplate the beauty of god's creation but while my soul rested in this peaceful three-hour float down the river i began to notice that my legs were turning red And quickly realized that I had put put some sunblock all over my face, my neck, my ear, my arms. But I neglected my legs. That night, my legs were on fire. They were burnt to a crisp. They were swollen. They were tight. I thought they were just going to burst. And I've been in pain for several days. It's been a couple of nights that I've been able to tolerate. My poor wife has been able to just uh, slowly nurse me back to health. She puts aloe vera on there, you know. And... uh, (laughs) Some may say, ooh, that's horrible, that's painful, that was dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, there's much to say. I appreciated the song they just did because definitely water is involved. And the Bible mentions uh, so much about water in so many ways. You know, uh, during our uh, summer just a few weeks ago or so, we we took our students on a mission trip, and uh, while we were in Little Rock after that, Served a few days there, went to go see the ark, and we saw the replica of Noah's ark there in Kentucky and just a huge, breathtaking three level boat and uh, just answers a lot of questions. But it just kind of reminded you, right? There was a time when Noah, for 120 years, he warned the people, he let them know hey, there's a flood that's coming. You know, get ready for it. And, of course, they mocked him. They laughed at him. As a matter of fact, I love that Jesus kind of legitimizes the story of Noah. It's not this little fairy tale uh, story that we see in little kids' book. That it's a real, true story. And Jesus said, when I come back, when the Son of Man comes and returns... Just know that it's going to be very similar to the days of Noah. For in those days, it was business as usual, right? They were eating and they were drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. What an awesome way to legitimize this this powerful story And we know that in the book of Exodus, God had already parted the Red Sea. The Israelites were already on the other side. The Egyptian army comes, and these walls of water are up there. And the chariots, and the horses, and the warriors all that water came upon them, and they were destroyed stories in the Bible just go on and on with stuff like that but you know what even outside the Bible you and I know that uh, in history there's been some uh, tragedies you might say Uh, in 1912 we know that the RMS Titanic struck an iceberg and the North Atlantic waters would claim well over 1500 lives the worst disaster in naval history but you know The worst disaster in naval history prior to the Titanic sinking was the SS Villa de Havre about 40 years earlier. Pastor Greg mentioned it in 1873 where 226 lives were lost, including the four daughters of Horatio Spafford. But you know, in the midst of crisis, Christ is our sustainer. In the midst of tragedy, something heavenly can arise so when peace like a river attends my way, with, with sorrows like sea billow rolls, whatever my lot, whatever comes my way, it is well. It's going to be all right because my God is in charge. My God is in control. Now, there are some awesome, upbeat stories regarding water as well, right? Well, let's go back to Noah. Uh, Noah obeyed the word of the Lord. He and his family were saved. That's an Amen. He listened to God's word. He was delivered. He was rescued. Let's go back to uh, the parting of the Red Sea. God uh, God told Moses, Moses, just stretch your arms upon the sea and the staff. Let me get to work here. You know? He obeyed the word of the Lord. He told the people, he said, Moses, tell your people. I know it seems like it's impossible that you're about to be destroyed by the enemy, but I got it. It's going to be all right. I'm in control. In 2 Kings, we read the story of Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army who went looking for Elisha, the prophet of God in Israel, so so that he could be healed from his leprosy. And we know the story, right? He went looking for him, and Elisha didn't even come to meet him. He sent his, his servant, and he said, go tell him that he needs to go to the River Jordan and dip himself seven times, and he's going to be all right. Well, he got a little frustrated with that, but he still went eventually. And the Bible says that his skin turned like a child's skin. Fresh. Smooth. In that same very river, centuries later, Jesus of Nazareth is baptized in that Jordan, initiating in his public ministry. And his first miracle right after that was a wedding feast in the town of Cana. When he commanded the servants to fill up these six large jars of water. And they did. They obeyed the word of Jesus. And when the master of the, of the feast took a, a sip of that water, he said, whoa, wait a minute. This is, this, is, this is some good stuff here. This is fresh wine. This is new wine. Just a miracle where God just, the Lord uses water as he kicks off his, his ministry. Well, this morning, i like to read a very familiar story where water plays a major role. So let's just dive in. In John chapter 13, follow me there if you, if you have your Bibles with you. We'll also throw it up there on the screen as well. And John records, this is the gospel according to John chapter 13, and that he had come from God and was going back to God, he rose from the supper table and he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. And then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. And he began to wipe them with the the towel that was wrapped around him. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered and said, what I am doing, you don't understand right now, but afterward, you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, responded, if if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter immediately said, Lord, not my feet only. But also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who, he, who was to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. And in verse 12, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment, And resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? Lord, we just uh, come before you, Lord, trusting your word, Father, that you will speak to us. Reveal yourself to us, Lord. And I pray, God, that we may be sensitive to your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's, let's kind of look at a, a couple of things that are going on here. Now, your Bible might have a heading title that might say something like, uh, Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Um, this is also the scenario of the Last Supper, Supper. The other Gospels kind of go into a little bit more detail. But it's, it's also the, the Last Supper. But imagine just with me. It's the Passover season. And Jesus is at the table with his disciples partaking of a traditional meal that has been handed down over the centuries. They are in a borrowed facility, an upper room. And and don't miss the imagery. Imagine the table. The cups are filled. The dips. The breads. The meal is prepared. And all of a sudden, Jesus arises. He takes off his outer garment. And obviously, there was no servant there to wash the feet of the guests. So Jesus girds up a towel. He fastens it around his waist. And just kind of think of that imagery. He gets some water, and he starts pouring it in a basin. Can you hear the water pouring? The disciples, there's a, there's a sense of silence because they're observing. What is the master doing? And all of a sudden, he stoops down, and he's on his knees, and he starts going from disciple to disciple. Do you hear the water splashing? Do you hear the noise as he shuffles from one disciple to the next? And then he comes to Peter. And I love that John kind of brings us into that little dialogue. He zooms in on what took place right there, because, see, Peter breaks the silence, so from 6 to 9, that conversation is, is taking place. Lord, are, are you going to wash my feet? As it's to say, what are you doing? You're the master. You're the Lord. You're, you're the Savior. You, you can't do this. I, I'm not going to allow you to do this. And Jesus in the next verse just says, what I'm about to do, you don't understand, but you will soon afterwards. Peter once again says, No, you shall never wash my feet. There's the little tension going on right there. And Jesus in the next verse just says, Look, if I don't wash you, then you have no part with me. You have no share with me. And Peter immediately, without batting an eye, he says, Lord, not only my feet, I want you to wash but my hands and my head, I mean my whole body. And I, I notice the play on words in the next verse when Jesus said, "The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not every one of you." Now, we know that normally when you and I go to a ceremony, a wedding, a festival, we have the inclination of showering, right, or taking a bath. I hope we do, right? We don't want to go all stinky and smelly to the wedding. We, we, we don't want to go to no ceremony, right, all, uh, you know, grimy and stuff. So we, we want to wash up, and, and, uh, and we just get ourselves ready and dress, get into our comfortable shoes, and we're good to go. But 2,000 years ago, the shoe industry wasn't as huge as it is today. I mean... If I was to ask a crowd from 2,000 years ago, a crowd maybe about this size, it was to go back in time. And if I was to say, how many of you guys or gals have a closet full of shoes? Who would raise their hand in those days, right? I mean, I'm sure they did. There was some, but there was a lot of uh, barefoot and a lot of sandals and it was so easy to attract dust and grime and dirt. On your pathy, uh, they they could go to a, a a pool or they can go to a river and wash up, but then they get back in that dusty road. No pavement, no freeways or highways. Or I mean, it was just tr- uh, tracks and 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 uh, dusty paths. So they go to that ceremony all nice and clean, with the exception of their dirty feet. And so it was customary, you know, for the guest. Uh, uh, or, or, or whoever invited them to have their servants wash the feet of the guest. It was just a, a way to show kindness, and 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 I mean, it's just a a, a a way to love on them. Yeah, they picked up a lot of grime. It's an interesting to note, though, that John wrote his gospel letter understanding what jesus meant and he makes it a point to help explain what he meant on the following verse in verse 11 right because he says you're clean but not all right i mean he was talking about physically yeah you're all clean i don't need to wash you peter all over again you've already you're ready for the festival but there's a part of you that's not clean but at the same time he was making reference to the disciples at large saying one of you guys is dirty there's a dirty rat in the pack here. So there was a kind of a duality of, of meanings right there. But I love that Paul, you know, uh, uh, John, when he wrote his letter years later, in retrospect, by then, of course, he obviously knew what he was referring to. And so he says in verse 11, For he knew what, who was to betray him. That is why he said, Not all of you are clean. Because he, back then, if John would have written it right after the dinner, he would have said, "Well, the Lord did this. He washed our feet, and then he came to Peter, and then he said, 'You're all uh, you're clean, but not all.' And one, uh, I, I'm clueless. I don't know what he meant by that. But later on, he would ev- uh, know exactly. See, that's John's explaining after that. He was able, you know, he, he was able to grasp and understand what Jesus meant. Because see, a little later, that same uh, during the dinner time, Jesus tells them at the table that one of them would betray him. And they got a little nervous, concerned. Well, uh, what, do you, what do you mean, Lord? Uh, is it I? Am I going to betray you? No, I don't know. I, hey, the, Jesus said that somebody's going to betray. One of us is going to betray him. So they were nervous. Nobody knew what he meant. But of course, that's why he said, not all of you are clean, because Jesus already knew who the culprit was. He knew who his betrayer was was and in verse 12 he finished washing the disciples feet puts his outer garment back on and he resumes his place at the table asking them and posing the question do you understand what has just taken place here do you know what's going on jesus almost like ceremoniously washes his disciples feet to purify and cleanse them for their service to god remember unless i wash you you have no part you have no share with me peter was nervous i i want to be a part of your kingdom work i want to be a part of what you're up to i want to serve you don't leave me out lord wash me completely A couple of verses later, he does explain in verse 14 of John 13, he says, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. In other words, as I have served you, you now serve one another. Do the same thing for you. For each other, as brothers, as a family. Jesus said in Mark ten forty five, For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer up His life as a ransom for many. So through Christ's atoning work on the cross, the disciples and all the believers are made holy and righteous before God and then set apart for the service In his body, a holy priesthood of believers serving him and serving his church with with hearts. What kind of hearts? Well, how about hearts that are motivated by obedience? The Bible says, you shall walk with the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. servant hearts that are motivated by gratitude first samuel 12 24 says but be sure to fear the lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart consider what great things he has done for you what kind of hearts not just motivated by obedience and motivated by gratitude but also rejoicing hearts filled with gladness the psalmist says serve the lord with gladness come into his presence with singing. What kind of hearts? Humble hearts. Just like we saw in this story as it unfolded. With astonishing humility, Jesus, their Lord and teacher, their rabbi, washed his disciples' feet as an example of how all his followers should serve with humility. Now, there is another aspect to this story that is happening in the backdrop, and, and I, I don't want to leave it out because I think it's critical and it's amazing how all this just kind of comes together. Remember that John starts off his, his story in verse 1 talking about the Passover. It's, a, it's, it's right before the Passover feast, all right? It's a, it's a week-long festivity, right? But the Jewish, it's kind of like Christmas, right? Christmas for us starts like in July, or for some of us, all year, right? But as... as we turn the corner, right, after October 31st. Man, commercials, everything is... I mean, we just start seeing more Christmas stuff uh, lighting up, getting ready for it. But as believers, we're gearing up for Christmas. We have Christmas Eve and we throw Christmas parties. Even though we throw Christmas parties at different day, days in December, we know that it's not on Christmas, but it's, it's the season. And this is what's happening here. And so... John just kind of paints the picture. It's the Passover season here. It's it's just right before, and we're celebrating, and we're coming together because there's a beautiful picture that is taking place right here. And it all started in the Old Testament. Why? You know, the um, the Passover meal, eventually we know that leads to the last supper right jesus records this narrative it unfolds right before the feast of the passover and it's this passover meal that 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 leads to where we are reading today the last supper in which the ordinance just shortly after of the lord's supper is initiated as an act of worship for the family of believers to practice Jesus, do this: eat this bread and drink from this cup as often as He do this. Do it consistently, regularly, and we have for the last two thousand years believers all over the world do just that. Why do we do that? Well, because the Lord ordained it. It is significant. There is purpose to that. The Apostle Paul lends more clarity as to how to prepare for this act of communion with the lord thanks to the corinthian church the church had been kind of deviating from its purpose they were just kind of getting together and and, and they had become just thoughtless and selfish and it was this church ritual for them they lost the significance its meaning its purpose and in essence paul just you know says hey listen When you partake of this supper, let's examine ourselves. Let's check ourselves out. Examine ourselves. Our hearts and minds must be engaged as we partake of the elements. Examine ourselves. Take time to ensure that our relationship with the Lord is real, that our relationship with the Lord is genuine, that it is authentic. Hey, let's examine ourselves and take the Lord's Supper with hearts that are purposefully thankful because much has been given and Christ became our substitutionary sacrifice. So when we do this, let's not lose sight of why we even do it. And so over the centuries, that's what we've been doing, right? Believers, some some meet monthly and they take the the Lord's Supper and they commemorate, they celebrate, they remember as an act of worship. Some do it every other month. Some do it uh, every three months. We just did it a couple of uh, weeks ago. It's awesome. It's amazing because it brings us back. It, It makes us reflect a little bit and examine us. Where am I? Am I real or am I just being just religious here? Am I just going through the motions? Is this legit for me? Is my walk in Christ the real deal, or am I just being a religious person warming up a bench here? I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it calls us, I mean, right up front, let's examine our hearts. Let's make sure we're legit. Let's make sure that we're engaged. Let's make sure that we don't lose sight of the meaning and the purpose. Remember, it started as a Passover, something that literally took place. Yeah, the Feast of the Passover. It was a holy festival commemorating the deliverance of the Israelites when they were in bondage back in Egypt. You know, when they were pinned against the 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 Red Sea. Remember the Red Sea we spoke about earlier. They had just done the Passover that night. They had to, in haste, get up and move out because Pharaoh ran them out. He said, "Get out of here! I don't want you here more. You know, the idea, God told Moses, hey, you tell the children of Israel, if they want to live, they need to take a little lamb, with, uh, spotless, uh, without blemish. And the blood of that lamb, you put it on the post doors of, of each home. And the angel of death is going to pass tonight. And when he does, he's going to pass over that home that has the blood. And Jesus Christ becomes that fulfillment, the fulfillment of the Passover Because when the blood of Christ is applied to us, to the post of my heart, of your heart, death passes over us. Remember the the baptism of Jesus that initiated his public ministry? Right before he was baptized, John spotted him at a distance and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's the Passover Lamb. So just as Israel was set free out of bondage from Egypt, we are set free out of our bondage to sin when we believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God and His precious blood washes us of all our sin. Paul explicitly called Christ our Passover Lamb in 1 Corinthians 5-7. When I first gave my life to Christ, it was just just something that uh, blew me away, out of the water. I was so excited. Because I found this new life in Christ. And relatives and friends would say, Ralph, what's wrong with you? You're crazy. You've been brainwashed. You've been going to that church too much. You've been reading that Bible too much. you got too much Jesus going on in your life. And I would quickly say, listen, I'm not just brainwashed. Jesus washed my heart, my mind, my head, everything inside and out. Because he is so good I have a clear conscience. God's word continues to wash me. You know, we're going to pick up grime along the way. We're going to get dirty. We're, we're, We're not perfect. We understand that. We constantly need the washing of his word to refresh us, to renew us, to restore us. Just a couple of chapters later, he tells his disciples, you are already clean Because of the word that I have spoken. When he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit. But he said, hey, listen, you're clean. Because of the word that I've given you, that that I've spoken to you. So let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, when we're feeling gummy, when we're feeling sticky, when we're feeling grimy and slimy and filthy, you and I can go straight to the fountain of God's word and take heed to his word, hear the word, do the word, abide in the word, and I love that I can go, there's different places where it just refreshes me, and I can be washed under the fountain of God's word, I love 1 John uh, uh, 1 9, right, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and to cleanses us from all our unrighteousness that's a that's a washing terminology there he cleanses us when you confess i love that that's there because can i start walking in the journey of life and i start picking up grime i can always confess it but you know what i know we're not perfect can we really remember every single thing that we do every offense that we do against god sometimes we just can't, we just won't there's no way but i love that you can continue to read god's word You can can stand under other spigots that are just flowing right at you. I love when James uh, writes, My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. A multitude of sins. You know somebody that's gone wayward? Somebody that just kind of left the faith? Somebody that gave up on the Lord? You can be instrumental. You and I can be instrumental to pray for them, encourage them, and lead them back to the fold. That's something that just blesses the heart of God. Peter says, "Above all, let every, let each other, uh, let's love one another deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sin." I love that because love is powerful. Jesus tells the Samaritan woman, whoever drinks of the water that, that I give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's gone to prepare a place. He's coming back. He wants us to spend eternity with him. We can be washed. We can be cleansed. When I was in eighth grade, I remember a girl Wrote with a permanent marker or something in the back of my arm. I was sitting in front of a desk my, on my desk, and she just I don't know scribbled something. And the next day in that same class, she started laughing at me and she was giggling. And I said, "What's up? Why are you laughing?" She said, "You didn't take a bath. You didn't take a bath. What are you talking about? I take a bath every morning before I go to school." She said, "Uh, uh-uh. well, you didn't do a good job." And so I went like this, and sure enough, it was like all kinds of scribbling stuff where she had left it there, you know. Sometimes that you know, you might not know where, what to confess, but you keep on standing under the fountain of God's word. and Just know that it's going to wash right through. He will continue to cleanse us. Spatford's uh, hymn gives us a picture of what is yet to come. Just a, a little eschatology, a little bit about the end times. He says, ah, oh, Lord, and Lord, haste the day when faith, Shall be sight. See, right now, the just live by faith. But one day we won't need this faith. We're gonna actually see it. It's gonna be real. It's coming. The clouds roll back as a scroll, the trumpet's gonna sound, and the Lord's gonna descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. So I want to invite you to come and drink from the from the fountain. Come and drink from the water that wells up eternal life. Come and be washed in the water i don't know where you might be in your walk in your journey but if you feel this morning like you know i need to come to terms and do something about this sacrifice that jesus did for me and the whole world he wants to pardon you he wants to deliver you he wants to rescue you you just got to step out in faith and believe that confess that and so the altar is going to be open And as Pastor Greg comes and leads us in a song, the altar is open. What decision do you have to make this morning? What choice do you have to make this morning? How do you have to get right? What needs to be washed in your life? Maybe you are the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter that have gone waywardly outside of the will of God. And somebody's been praying for you and has been encouraging you and you're trying to stand in the peripherals and you're like not quite sure well this is the time where you can say you know lord i need to stand right there in the fountain of this river of life and let it just flow over me and help me start all over again maybe you're ready to say hey i'm ready to just roll up my sleeves and get connected in this local body of believers and i want to join this church this fellowship and I want to serve. I want to use my gifts, my talents. I want, to, I want to see how I can get plugged in and be a faithful servant of God. Not just somebody that's just going to warm up a bench, but really somebody that's going to be committed to the work of the Lord. Because after all, we are to serve one another. I love that there was a great group here this Saturday, cleaning up the building, painting, and tidying up the house of the Lord. It's serving it's serving one another serving the lord that's what jesus demonstrated when he washed the disciples feet with a sense of humility so whatever your need is let's stand and let's sing